It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hey everyone, Ben Price here, and uh, it's great to be back with Thunder Down Under, and I'm bringing you evangelism truths from heroes of the faith. And there's so many great heroes that we look at that help us with our evangelism because uh, they had some uh, godly biblical attributes that we can go, yeah, I need some of that. Even though some of this was uh, back in the 1800s or even you go back further, even so, it still helps in 2022. And it's just wonderful. I'm I'm loving it. I can't tell you how excited I am. Well, I think I just did, but it's really exciting. So we've looked at six so far. We've looked at firstly, Leonard Ravenhill, then C.T. Studd. That's the the voice that I gave him. And then we looked at David, David Wilkerson, uh, anguish, passionate voice. And we looked at, then we looked at George Bueller. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, And then we looked at C.H. Spurgeon, which is Charles Spurgeon. Last week was A.W. Tozer, which I I really enjoy his voice. And today, another couple of initials, D.L., which is, yep, D.L. Moody, Dwight Lyman Moody. And uh, as much as we looked at uh, Charles Spurgeon was the Prince of Preachers, Dwight Moody was the uh, the Prince of Evangelists. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be known as that today. I think they'd be like, you know, America's top evangelist stories, number one. Uh, I don't know. But uh, the Prince of Evangelists, that's what he was known as. And it said that he changed history, uh, literally became someone that changed history. They say he overturned the world of evangelism. And so he had a remarkable effect on the body of Christ um, in his day. They say he was like, you know, in the 19th century, the impact that he had was like the impact that that Billy Graham had in the 20th century. He was that well known. Uh, presidents would be influenced by him. And so, but he was born in 1837 uh, in uh, Northfield, which is out in the country, out yonder in Massachusetts. And uh, he uh, was born in a poor family, grew up with a family of nine. His uh, p- father had passed away at a very young age and he, uh, his mum, you know, struggling to make ends meet and sent his son off to go and work. And uh, so they had a very poor upbringing. Uh, but it's said that his love for Christ and his, his love for the poor it really overturned the world. And so this is the guy that we're talking about. And um, he died in uh, 1899. And so he had a, a full life that was well lived. And uh, it's all found in his biography in um, Dale Moody, A Life. And it really was a life, uh, an incredible life to live. And so um, I, I really loved reading it because I'd heard a lot of great quotes. I'd heard stories about D.L. Moody, but just getting into in the the past week, it was like a book about helium. I couldn't put it down. It was so exciting just to read all about uh, D.L. Moody, Dwight Lyman Moody, and uh, what an amazing, amazing guy that he was. So when he was 17, uh, this is sort of the the famous story. He he didn't have a lot to offer in terms of, um, you know, being a, a world changer. I'm talking about this guy who was uneducated, who was rough around the edges, but you know, it's like, this is all I've got, Lord. Uh, it's like fishes and loaves, but God used him incredibly. Uh, and he was the founder of the Moody Bible Institute. But before that, uh, when he was 17, his mum sent him off to uh, an uncle's shoe store in Boston, 
or should I say Boston? You know, went over to Boston, right? So that's where it was. Pretty rough. Uh, pretty. Uh, he got involved in all the, the, you know, some of the fights and some of the the pranks that he did. He had quite the humorous uh, guy, which I really love. Um, and he was uneducated, known as a bit of a roustabout. You might be a roustabout. Well, it just simply means that he had no specific skills. But uh, but he did, even though he was not overly well-educated. He was rough around the edges a little. It's, uh, you know, I, I identify. I mean, I speak English real good, you know. Um, yeah, but no, actually, when I was 19, a little couple of years older, I worked at a shoe store in uh, in Melbourne where I live. And so it was one of my first sort of after-school jobs when I'd finished school. And uh, it was great, uh, you know, s- selling shoes, but I had this boss from Mauritius, if you don't know where Mauritius is, you can Google it and you can check it out. It's sort of east of Africa, east of um, Madagascar, little islands. And looks quite beautiful, really. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they sp- spoke in Madagascar. Where, where it's like, King Julian, oh, it's exciting. Oh, I, I like to move it, move it. Oh, it's so much, so much fun. Uh, <laughs> I can't help but do that voice when I think of Madagascar. But uh, in Mauritius, they it, it's owned by the French, so it's... it's Almost like a French accent, you know. I love uh, a French accent, you know. We have a guy that comes out sharing the gospel with us, part of our team, who, Jean, who has this uh, French accent and uh, has the uh, gospel tract. Ticket to heaven. He goes, did you get the ticket to heaven? So he talks. So the French is like this, but the Mauritian, <laughs> it sounds <coughs> like they've got something caught in their throat, like a, like a, a gumball or like, I don't know, maybe too much cheese. And, and I had this boss. And he said to me, um, well, here's what he said. He said, stop and have a look around the shop and familiarize yourself with the shoes. It's fair enough. But what he said it is like, uh, Ben, stop, have a look in the shop, familiarize yourself with the shoes. <laughs> and I'm going, did he say that in English in my head? I said, excuse me, what, did, what, what was that? He said, stop, have a look on yourself, familiarize yourself with the shoes. As it could, sorry, I'm not picking anything up here. Nothing. I couldn't understand a word. I said, could you slow it down? He goes, stop. Stop? No, stop. Oh, stop. Have a look at your sherp. Read it, sherp. I couldn't work it out. For me, I just have a shoes. Oh, for me. It took me about five minutes. And um, anyway, that was my introduction to working at shoes uh, in a shoe store. Like D.L. Moody, a little different, but. Um, his mum, D.L. Moody, had asked him to go to Sunday school, you know, and, and go to church while he was in Boston, right? So uh, so he did that to appease her, but he wasn't overly interested in church. And he had this uh, Sunday school teacher that he taught him. And um, basically, Mr. Kimball was his name. Uh, he had his heart set on winning a young soul for Christ. And so he made a visit to the shoe store. Uh, and he was determined to speak to this young man about Christ and about his soul. And he found him at the back of the shoe shop. We say shop, shoe store, uh, wrapping shoes. And Mr. Kimball uh, went up to him at once, uh, put his hand on his shoulder with tears in his eyes. Uh, he said, I made what kind of felt afterwards was a weak plea for Christ. I, I don't know what words I used, he said, but nor could Mr. Moody uh, tell. He simply told him of Christ's love for him and the love of Christ that he wanted in return. And, and after that, Dale Moody gave his life to Christ at the back of the shoe store in Boston. It's an incredible story. And I don't know if it's still a shoe 
store, but there's a, a plaque to commemorate such a thing because he changed the world. Um, but it's just incredible because no one can ever underestimate talking to the one. You know, we went out last week sharing the gospel outside a, a football stadium where I live, and there was 85,000 people in the stadium or going into it. And whilst they're all out of the ground, we were uh, with a great team of uh, 12 or 13 of us handing out gospel tracks and sharing the gospel. And over maybe 2,000 tracks went out and, you know, we had some great conversations. And there were some people who said, well, I only got to hand out a few. But those few, you never know what impact that might have. You know, it could be the next D.L. Moody or, or even if it's not, you know, it's that that person that one person might come to Christ and it's all worth it. As Luke 15, uh, 7 says, uh, Jesus says, I, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So for many years, um, he was there in Boston. Then he went to minister in Chicago for many years and he used all his business acumen to further the kingdom of God with uh, his generosity with starting charities and missions and uh, starting Bible schools that uh, that grew and grew. And uh, and then even during the Civil War, uh, you know, during that time, he was used right on the front line. He was, he was a pacifier. He didn't want to carry a gun. So he was able to be used as someone that was able to minister to hundreds and thousands during that time because I mean, this is adversity, right, at its highest. And yet here he is ministering the gospel uh, and, you know, being used amazingly by God. And they, they, him and his co-workers built a small chapel that um, had over 1,500 uh, gospel services in where so many people heard about Christ. And he was tirelessly handing out books and papers and gospel tracts all about Christ. So it was an incredible time. And throughout that time, he... He really drew on the words of George Whitfield, and I, I, I don't, I can't do a George Whitfield because that was in the 1700s. So we we don't know what he sounded like, but I'll give him a voice here. It says, "In the place of sorrow, news of Christ can refresh the soul, and the interval may be brief that news can bring peace at last." And um, so, if you didn't catch that, in in the place of sorrow, news of Christ can refresh the soul. It's so true. I think we can say that about the last two years, right? Uh, it's not quite civil war. It's, well, you know, there's craziness that's uh, almost equivalent, right? And yet uh, news of Christ can refresh the soul. And that's what we're seeing when we're going out sharing the gospel uh, at such a terrible time. But as an evangelist, it's like, well, for such a time as this, what a great time, what a great harvest, what a great message that we have. There's so many uh, people I've met that's like, rapture me now, Lord, and you know, I, I can't wait to see Christ. It's like, yeah, Maranatha, bring it on. But it's like right now, we've got a job to do. We've got people to save and what a harvest and what an opportunity. So praise God. But uh, what did D.L. Moody sound like? Well, you know, he lived in the 1800s. There was no real recordings of a lot uh, of folk back then. In fact, we do actually have one recording, a real recording and and here's what it sounds like. So have a listen. Blessed are they 
So I don't know if you made that out. You know, if I was to imitate that, it's like, I can't really do it. If you didn't understand that, it's because that's I'm imitating what I didn't know. I know he was talking about the Beatitudes, which is pretty cool that we can actually hear that, but it's very hard to imitate that, what you just heard before. Uh, I have a friend who's a, uh, audio engineer, a sound engineer who I gave it to him. He's one of the best in Australia and he was able to decode it and this is what it ended up sounding like. So, so you guys are actually uh, privy to hearing this because that's really kind of what he might have sounded like uh, as close as we can get to actually hearing. And we're one of the first people to actually hear this. I'm, I'm glad that we have a voice for him because I, was, I wasn't I was sure what voice to give him. I thought, you know, I was going to make him sound like Eric Ludi because, uh, well, you know, Ludi and Moody might have, might have sounded similar. I'm not sure. Uh, God's blessings, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he might have. I don't know. But no, it's his voice is described as rough. Uh, you know, he's he's a country boy. It was uneducated. He was one pitch, straight to the point, common uh, colloquialisms and humorous. I, I love that humor. Uh, definitely a humorous guy. You see, you see that throughout the story, and uh, a great storyteller. His speech is described as rustic and countrified. So. Little slow, maybe like a, a farmer. I, you know, the old story of the farmers, the three farmers sitting on the, the fence at the in the paddock, going, "Think it's gonna rain today?" That that's what Aussie farmers might sound like. Yeah, I reckon it'll rain today. Yeah, Twenty seconds, thirty seconds later, a second farmer goes, "Nah, I think it's gonna be pretty dry." Another thirty seconds later, the third farmer goes. Well, if you two are going to argue all day, I'm going to go back inside. So that, that's the Aussie version of the countrified, rustic sort of voice. But uh, it's also described that D.L. Moody, Dwight Lyman Moody, was uh, like a Simon Peter man. And I, I like that it said that in the book because I was getting that sense as I'm reading. It's like, yeah, he's he's rugged, but soft-hearted and humble and such a teachable uh, great man of God. And just, just the humility is so wonderful. Um, but rugged, like maybe like the sea, uh, you, you know, the, the old uh, guy who says, uh, his wife says, you remind me of the sea. And he says, because I'm so wild and rugged. She said, no, no, you, you make me sick. But uh, anyway, here's, here's a few quotes as uh, maybe how he might've said them. He who heals the most stands the best. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but a succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. The Bible was not given for our information, but our transformation. The Bible will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Bible. Faith makes all things possible. Love makes them easy. Man has yet to see what God can do with one man totally surrendered to God's will. By the grace of God, I'll be that man. I have no education, but I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to do something for him. 
Well, I love those quotes and uh, there's some great ones there. There's some terrific quotes that D.L. Moody gave us. One of them I really enjoy is the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible, which is so, so true, isn't it? And uh, another thing that he had when, when he started out as a school teacher, a Sunday school teacher who taught the kids with great passion. Um, these Sunday schools were, you know, planted all over the Midwest that he he was overseeing. He wasn't just rostered on Sunday school duty, uh, but he was a man that really revolutionized that. And he had compassion. That's a, an evangelism truth that we can have compassion. We must have compassion. Some people just go out and do it out of obedience. Yes, but there's got to be a compassion as an evangelist. It's essential. And uh, DL knew the adversities from being poor that he had as a child, so he could show that compassion. Just like Christ uh, in Matthew 9, 36 to 38, it says, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, and and I love this uh, part of the, the passage here, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's so good. But even there, that he had compassion. And the, the word uh, in Greek for compassion, are you re- ready for this one? This is uh, what a word. Splugnizomai. Splugnizomai, which almost sounds Russian. Splugnizomai. I am uh, Ivan Splugnizomai. Or it would be uh, Splugnizomorsky. Maybe if that's how it would, you know, Ivan uh, something like that, Ivan uh, all of those voices. But no, Splugnizum, it's, it's a Greek word, which uh, there's a guy who comes out sharing the gospel with us, is a Greek guy. And the, he would say it like Splugnizum, uh, like this, Splugnizum, uh, I think that's how you say it. So the first part uh, of the word Splugna means internal organs, like, yeah, that's lovely. Um, <laughs> so splugnizomai literally means to be moved so deeply that it's something that you feel in the pit of your stomach. And it's the, the same word splugnizomai Jesus used in the prodigal son when the father had compassion on his son that was lost. And so it, it's an empathy. It's like uh, Reese Howes, I've referred to him, another hero of the faith in, in Wales, who would take uh, a prayer need on as if it was his. You know, we, we pray differently when it's, when it's our immediate family or if it's for our own prayer need, there's a, there's a passion, there's that splugnizomite. Oh, we feel it. Um, as opposed to someone just saying, can you pray for something? Yeah, we, we faithfully do it, but then we move on with our day. But but I believe he had that compassion when he saw children like that. When he saw the lost and the poor and the destitute, that was the the passion, the compassion that he had towards them. And um and and I can relate when I'm when I'm sharing the gospel. We went to a place on Friday evening near where I live, where uh, there are many many teenagers who uh, you know a lot of them have um, all kind of issues. It's it, there's a messed up generation that's out there that are confused about gender, confused about sexuality, uh, suffering from anxiety, depression, and suicide, and uh, just all kinds of crazy issues going on and when i see them and the you know kid was 17 i said my son's 17 you know and i've got a i've got a 14 year old daughter i've got a another daughter who's 10 going on 15 so if i i can i can have that splugnizomai it's like oh i relate in a sense that it's i 
there's a parental fatherly instinct that kicks in to really have that compassion towards these guys to really make sure they hear the message. And so that was something that DL had. And that's something we often must have when we go out, share the gospel, the compassion. So he continued in business. And uh, even though he's ministering, he had his business going and he was set to make a fortune. He was uh, had, a, had a goal of making $100,000. And if you translate like that into today's um, money, it would have been a lot of money. <laughs> Millions, in fact. I don't know. Uh, after his conversion, he wanted to make uh, money and he was well on his way to making $100,000. So incredible. Um, I, I can relate to the fact that, you know, he worked... Uh, in a in a in a in a secular job setting as well as having ministry and having that um there as like do i do i for, forego that one and and go on with ministry because that's that tug of war it's like do i but i can't let go of that because then we need the income but it's like i want to be um, being led towards that so that was that sort of tug of war that was in his heart that battle and uh, dl moody said this I had a terrible battle to surrender my will, undertake God's will. When I gave up business, I had another battle for three months. I fought against it. It was a terrible battle. But oh, how many times I have thanked God that I gave up my will and took God's will. And and that battle it continued on for a while, and you know he'd wonder about you know do I do these projects, these missions, uh, eventually start up these Bible schools, or go full time as an evangelist? And as I said, I had that pull for for my own life too, where I I realized you know it used to be that I was doing all the corporate work and uh, a little bit of evangelism, but now it's it's evangelism, it's centered on Christ, on the kingdom of God. And hey, I get to do a little bit of side work as well. It's 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 sort of flipped on its uh, side. It's it's gone down under, uh, if you like. And so, yeah. Um, but DL continued to preach as well uh, in that uh, in Chicago at that time. And he was preaching one Sunday. There was um, the the Chicago fires, which are very well known. They destroyed so much of Chicago. Uh, and in that, he lost the Illinois Street Mission, uh, the YMCA where he worked had burnt down. They lost their home. It was, it was absolutely tragic. And, um, it was the same fires where Horatio Spatford who lost his business. And, uh, he was the guy who his his wife had taken his daughters on, um, a trip to, uh, England, I believe where the ship sank and he lost his, uh, four daughters in that, uh, tragic accident. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's a hard one to read that story, but uh, out of that came the the famous hymn "It Is Well with My Soul," and uh, it's interesting because DL uh, and Horatio they actually knew each other, so what a, what an interesting conversation that would have been. But uh, yeah, it was at that point he determined. Uh, this is DL Moody. He determined that he would be an evangelist and give every audience an opportunity to receive Christ. And so he determined that. And the goal of making a fortune was now not something that was consuming him. He had something greater, like the man that found the pearl of great price. Um, He had wrestled with that idea of giving up his dream, making a fortune, but he discovered the invaluable gospel life. So a little story. When I was uh, 20, yeah, just a little, not so long after when I worked in a shoe store, 
I uh, actually, it had only been a couple of months I knew uh, my wife. She wasn't my wife back then. We were, you know, just sort of getting to know one another and, and dating and it was just wonderful and um, good, good memories. But uh, at that particular time, it was August of 1995 and I was doing a 10-week Bible college course at that time. And I remember coming home um, in the afternoon and I was feeling a bit of afternoon tiredness and thinking, oh, I've got to got a gig at night and I wasn't overly keen to do it. And um, well, anyway, before I tell you this story, I've got to rewind a couple of days. And so uh, my wife had been to Bible study and she'd had a lady speak at the study and ask them the question. And the, the question was this, uh, if you lost everything, but you still had Christ, would you still be satisfied? Would you be satisfied? And and she was challenged by that. She asked me because we were talking on the phone. This is, you know, before social media and in the mid 90s. And, and I said, well, I was challenging, you know, would I still be satisfied if I lost everything? I said, well, it's a hypothetical question. And uh, I said, well, you know, it, it would be awful, but I love Jesus. And yeah, I, I can say that I, honestly, I would still be satisfied, you know, but it's not going to happen. And then, kind of forgot about it. All right. So now fast forward two days later, it's a Friday afternoon. I'm coming home and we we lived on a house, on a house, in a house. (laughs) It was 135 years old. It was an old um, sort of stone cottage, heritage listed property on six and a quarter acres. And uh, I was driving my little Datsun Stanza, a little fun car. (laughs) And it was a driveway about 600 meters long which is probably about a, just under a quarter of a mile. And I remember uh, just you know looking down at the end of that dirt road and sometimes you see something, but you don't immediately register. Like, you know, maybe they say that uh, the speed of light is quicker than the speed of sound, which is why some people appear bright until they speak. But uh, it was a bit like that where I saw something in the distance, but didn't register immediately. It was surreal. It was, I saw about three fire engines I saw a great commotion of people and smoke and fire. And so I floored that car, that little Datsun, as fast as it could go down that dirt road. And I didn't know what was going on. I got out. I saw commotion. My sister's there. She's saying that the house is burnt down. I'm like, what's going on? Now, I knew what was happening, but I, I just, I probably needed to hear it. But it, it was tragic. I, I lost my whole room. Uh, I lost everything that I owned at that. And, and it was, it was like a grieving uh, period of my life, but um, I remember walking around that property just in in disbelief and shock, and and I said to the Lord, you know, I just realized that you know two days before I'd been asked if I lose everything and I still had Christ, would I? And I said, Lord, I am satisfied. You're all I have right now, and I am satisfied because to have Christ is to have everything. Um, the next day, I did a show. Uh, in fact, I did two at these churches that booked and. I, I just put on a happy face and the grace of God was there to carry me through. But, um, you know, one of my friends had said to me in the car, we came with me to drive me and said, you know, you man, you've lost your whole identity. And I said, no, I said, my identity is in Christ. You know, nothing can destroy that. No fire, no smoke damage, nothing can take it away. Um, nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? And um, And that became a message out of, out of the ashes, so to speak, I was able to 
uh, evangelize and to go into a lot of churches and share this message with people that my identity was in Christ and to, you know, really start out a lot of my public uh, evangelism back way, way back then in the mid nineties. And, um, so anyway, coming back to D.L. Moody, uh, this is like 100 years before almost. So, well, actually, it was in 1872. He toured as an evangelist. He went to England and over 5 million people got to hear the gospel within two years. So it took a couple of years to do a tour back then. But he spoke to millions of people. Um, and when he was full-time in evangelism, he uh, had gone into the UK with uh, his good friend, his, his good buddy, Ira Sankey. Uh, you may have heard of the the Moody Sankey hymn books, which became famous. They they actually sold them uh, to people to you know bring them out at these meetings because they wouldn't have had overhead projectors back then. So the hymn books, and uh, they made millions, but they didn't actually take a cent from those. That just shows the humility of these guys. Uh, it all went back into these uh, gospel projects and missions and uh, all that they were doing for the kingdom of God. So uh, just a humility and a genuineness. And, um, you know, prior to, to that, where they had great success in evangelism, they were seeing ones and twos uh, in terms of numbers come to Christ. Well, from now on, hundreds were coming to receive Christ at these meetings. And it was just uh, powerful uh, that the press in, in the UK described it as a religious phenomenon. That's a British voice for you there. And uh, they held, oh, it might have been one of those old fashioned ones. It's a religious phenomenon. I expect it would have been one of those. Um, and then they held tent meetings in Glasgow, uh, right over there in Glasgow. And it lasted months and months. And uh, on the last night, he open air preached at the botanical gardens there to probably about 50,000 people. So God was really uh, using this uneducated rough man uh, to just, who was a shoe salesman, to really reach the world for the gospel. And um, he could never at that time speak about a lost soul without tears in his eyes. Again, he had that um, compassion or uh, splugnizome. Uh, there was a time where D.L. Moody was on a ship traveling uh, around uh, Ireland, Ireland, I believe it was around there. And, uh, and there was the thought of maybe, you know, he's getting on in years at this point to retire possibly. And then it was almost like God uh, sending him a sign in a, in a, in a Jonah-like way. Uh, <laughs> the ship started to sink and uh, it had hit some uh, rock or something where it was it was going down and um, like Titanic style. But thankfully, a um, well, he, he, Dale Moody gave himself to prayer. He vowed to God uh, that he'd give him all that he had of his remaining years. He said, "This I'm all in. It all belongs to you. Uh, if, if we're, we're safe and the ship was safe, they were rescued by another ship that was um, out there and seeing them. And they, um, he had given his life devoted to God. And he said it was prayer that saved that ship, uh, intense, um, probably splug nizomai prayer. And, and also the scriptures, you know, he, he read to the, pas the passengers, the passage. He read a passage to the passengers <laughs> from Psalm 91, which is really uh, so so relevant to us today, isn't it? Uh, and it always will be. Um, but it says in Psalm 91, um, 1 to 2, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. 
And then it goes on to say, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. And it goes on because in verse 11, without reading the whole chapter, this was the one that really, really spoke to D.L. Moody at that time. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And he, he just knew that reading that to the passengers that we're going to be safe, almost like uh, Paul we're going to get to Rome when he's sailing in the Fair Havens. And so it was a similar story in a sense. And his message really changed after that. Um, his main aim, you know, he was sharing the gospel, but he really brought in the love of Christ, how much God loves us. He always had preached a, the hellfire and brimstone uh, message. And, you know, but it was through the um, hearing of Henry Morehouse uh, that led him to preach on God's love. And he saw a lot more conversions when he preached on that. And, you know, we, we need to have both the, the love of God as well as bringing um, repentance and, and judgment and sin. There's got to be the full counsel of God. So, but he, yeah, he, he really understood the love of God. And uh, from that time on, um, this is what he said. I was all the time tugging and carrying water, but now I have a river that carries me. So 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 1 to 3, the, the, the love chapter really backs this up. It says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing nothing so so important and he preached that the gospel of love uh the, the love of christ as as you know romans 8 wrote uh, sorry romans 5 8 says but god demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners christ died for us that's the love that we should preach and um but we see that dark background that that we're still sinners it, it makes that love even even greater when we see it um and he was also a man who uh, was very well read. You know, I, I said it, this contradictory, right? Contradictory, right? <laughs> Talking about good uh, English and grammar, but um, he, he wasn't great with his letters in, in the early days of his life. His grammar, you see in the book and uh, his biography was quite, um, <laughs> quite that of a, a child, really, that never really grew up. But he, in his later years, uh, read so many books and he befriended Charles Spurgeon and um, when he would tour, I mean, wouldn't you love to be in a conversation hearing those two speak? I might even act out a little sketch at one point, but, you know, it was so uh, great to hear that in his book that Charles Spurgeon had such a collection, thousands of books and loaned them all to let him read them. And uh, he read them all and he read so many others. He had a huge array of books in his library and, and he really became... Uh, well-educated. I say this not just as a, that was a part of his life, but as an evangelist, it's so important that we train. We don't just say, well, this is the status of where I'm at. But, uh, you know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent or, or study to present or to show yourself approved. Study to show yourself approved, to be a worker of God, uh, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We can constantly be learning uh, the scriptures constantly be learning from great books, and this is going to help us when we share the gospel, and it's going to help uh, ultimately uh, 
people's lives will be impacted. Not just our own life will it help us, but it'll help others come to Christ. And, um, you know, there some people I've heard just say, well, we just need to go with the flow and be led by the Spirit. But if you're not reading the Word of God, studying it, you know, what Spirit's actually leading you? We've got to study His Word. And yes, the Holy Spirit's going to lead us also. So millions of people heard the gospel in the 1800s as a result of evangelism from D.L. Moody. And there's so many stories. It's, it's, I, it's hard to leave them out. There's so many great things about uh, his life and, and the impact that he had. Uh, it's, as I said, read it if you get the chance and, uh, and study up on him. He's, he's one of the greats and uh, a great one to, to look at. Started Bible schools, missions, hymn books. Uh, his impact is said to be the greatest for the gospel in its whole generation. So it's quite an amazing impact. And um, so for me, looking at the book and looking at his life, I see that there were two things that are you know really helpful in our uh, lessons of evangelism. One is he had vision. And, and even if you don't have a vision, follow a great vision that's biblical, uh, as it says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Or you could say uh, that the people perish. That's another way of saying it, that when, when there's no vision, the people perish, which is the same thing like what we saw in Israel when um, Moses getting the Ten Commandments, they started, you know, casting off restraint because they were worshiping a golden calf and uh, they they followed their own desires. But when, when the law came, um, it brought vision. And for us as the vision, the capital V vision is, is to follow Christ, to preach the gospel to all creation. And that's the, the big V vision. But the little V vision is sometimes the specific vision God will give us where, and, and you know, D.L. Moody had that uh, to follow um, through, not just to aimlessly preach the gospel, but he had a vision to set up um, Bible schools and missions and ones that are still helping today. And so uh, what, what a great vision he had. We thank God that he, he had that and he was able to use his business um, acumen to help that. And the other thing that I really saw that he had was great uh, humility. A um, bit, bit like Donald Trump, you know, a, a very humble, very, very humble. <laughs> no, not, not quite like that. He, he really had genuine humility. Uh, he was a man described as a man of integrity, a man of honesty. If he made a mistake, he was so quick to ask for forgiveness and he was teachable and uh, just a humble, humble guy. And you you kind of get a sense that uh, he was a man. Yes, he had the business expertise, but he was rough and uneducated. Uned- uneducated. <laughs> I can't even say it, but such a humble man. And, um, you know, really uh, coincides with Ephesian four, Ephesians 4 to, um, excuse my, <laughs> my grammar tonight or today, whenever you're watching this. Uh, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, that that humility. And Luke 14, 11, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And I think he humbled himself, which is why God exalted him to the the, the highest of highs of, you know, getting uh, the name of Christ out there. And, and, and this one too from Proverbs 22, 4 is really... Um, yeah, something that I see in D.L. Moody's life. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. And uh, this was definitely marked in Dwight Lyman's 
life. Uh, he wanted the riches initially of money and uh, and God went, you know, when he realized that there was a greater thing that he desired, he went exceedingly abundantly above all that he could ever think or ask. And uh, when he was humble, he showed him the riches of the kingdom of God, which are far greater in his life. Uh, his influence, it was enormous. And it's still today, even continuing, the ripple effect is so big. Um, you know, just from that one uh, one instance of the shoe uh, store where he was converted that one day, that, that man that just was like, oh, I don't know, should I share the gospel? Reluctant. Yes, if you've got that uh, pressing on your heart, do it. You never know. Um, but he definitely pointed us to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1899, he died of heart failure. But uh, however, his voice, his message... Uh, continue to live on um, so well. And and here's what he said uh, about his imminent death one day. Someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all, out of this old clay tenement into a house that is immortal. A body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot take. A body fashioned like his glorious body. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1856. That which is born of the flesh may die. That which is born of the spirit will live forever. Well, guys, thanks so much for watching. I've really enjoyed studying this and I really hope this is going to help you as you go out to uh, share the gospel. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, incredible life of D.L. Moody, God, that we can look at that and see uh, there are evangelism truths in here that you know we can be humble uh, like he was, just to be so humble to say, God, you, that's where we get the grace of God. Uh, we can have compassion on the lost. Uh, may we have vision to see um, the kingdom of God grow. May we just look at all of this and see God, uh, some of this that he had in his life, a totally different uh, century, even a different millennium. Yet it's so applicable to our lives today as we go out and further the kingdom of God. Do it in and through us, through your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.